Hello everyone and welcome back to the Burley Fisher podcast. I am your sometime host, uh, Daniel P. Fuller, and I am joined today by my good friends and colleagues, Dr. So Mayer. Hello, I've been promoted. And uh, the head honcho, the mogul, Mr. Samuel Fisher. <laughs> Hi Dan, these, these epithets get more and more mocking. <laughs> um, well, we are here today, gathered here today, uh, to celebrate a new series of recordings from the great success that was BF Day 2023. That was about, what, about a month ago now. About a month ago, is that is that right to say? That's right, yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we are mad enough to, every couple of years, throw a birthday festival uh, celebration. And this year's was the biggest yet. Um, so, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about the weekend? It was a sort of literary harvest festival, I guess. The idea of BF Day 23 is to throw a festival for books and literature, to bring together the people we see day in, day out, week in, week out at the shop, who are dedicated readers, with people uh, in our community, in our neighbourhood, who might just fancy wandering in for a cup of tea and having a look at some secondhand books or some zines, or who love their literature live. And that's why it's so great. We have some podcast recordings to capture that spirit of being in a room together, hearing writers' voices reverberate. And that's why it's so exciting. We are starting this series with the legendary Saturday Night Poetry Showcase. Yeah, and uh, I think another thing that's worth mentioning is it was a celebration of independent publishing. Um, and we partnered with, we want to thank all of the 10 presses who we partnered with for the festival um, for their help in putting it together. Because ever since we opened the shop, independent publishing has kind of been the the heart of it. So it's, it's, it's so nice to be able to connect um, a lot of writers, writers who don't necessarily often get a platform other festivals um with readers so that was really great um and alongside thanking thanking everyone at the church and everyone who helped us to put it on i want to give a huge personal thank you to so um for programming the festival again with generosity and warmth um of which you'll quite quickly become aware when you hear their introductions for the poets in the showcase um it's it's an absolute feat to put on something like this over three days um and to herd the cats of independent publishing <laughs> into a church in East London and to do so with, um, to, to kind of hold the space for them in such a generous way. Uh, and yeah, I'm just incredibly grateful to be able to work alongside. So, um, so thank you. So <laughs> it's been an absolute tree and we should say a big shout out to arts council England who made this edition possible um, made it possible for us to have such a beautiful venue and pay all of the speakers and a big shout out to all of the Burley Fisher team as well who were the chief cat herders um, and <laughs> for this reading the two presses that we need to give a big shout out to are Granta and specifically Granta Poetry edited by the amazing Rachel Allen and to Cheerio who are represented by Profile so thank you to uh, Drew and Rob at Serpent's Tale for connecting us with Cheerio, who published Candace. Um, and it was, it was great to blend those voices 
uh, in the beautiful church. Mm. And there'll be plenty more. We've got eight more of these recordings. So if you enjoy this, do stay tuned because we're going to be releasing them over the next, um, in the coming weeks up until, up until Christmas. So It's like an advent calendar for your ears. And thank you, Dan, for, for, for being the MC with the most as ever. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Um, on that fantastic note, I think we should give it up to Somaya of about a month ago and the poets in the Devoe Front Church. Bring it back. because I think a lot of other places poetry is what you have to sit through before you get to drinking but at Burning Fisher we know people come for the poetry and then they enjoy the delirium of the wine of language but please do join us downstairs and join the poets for a drink to celebrate today's um, amazing events and speakers um, thank you to the whole Burning Fisher team um, to Sheen and Kat and Tash, to Dan who came back from Northern Ireland to help us, um, and Sam Fisher and Jason Burney for creating the shop in the first place. Um, poetry has been at the heart of Burney Fisher since it opened. As I said, you know, this is our biggest event of the day. There is something truly holy to us about poetry as a way of bringing people together and that wouldn't be possible without living in an incredible golden age of independent publishing. We're here celebrating Poets Day from two independent presses, Grant Poetry and Cheerio, by a um, Serpent's Tale Profile, who are two of our publishers. But today we've also heard from poets from Prototype, uh, from Peninsula, and from Cypher Press, um, as, as well as Dawn Watson from Gonta, who was here earlier. So we've had poets across the day, and now we have poets to crown the festival. Um, and to me, that's just part of what makes our Burley Fisher community so special, is the incredible attention to language and hunger for things that are different and that speak to them very deeply. So we are so honored and pleased to have um, our four poets here with, you, with us tonight, and I'm gonna introduce them. I'm gonna jump up and down like a jackrabbit and introduce each, each of them. They'll be reading in alphabetical order by surname, because I was a teacher for a long time. <laughs> Lafarge. <laughs> so Daisy Lafarge uh, lives in Glasgow. I'm really delighted that she's traveled. We've so many people have traveled so far to be here. Um, she's the author of the poetry collection Life Without Air, published by Granger in 2020, which was shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Prize and named Scottish Poetry Book of the Year. And the novel Paul, published by Granger in 2021, which won a Betty Trust Award and was a New York Times editor's choice. Lovebug, a short book on the poetics of infection, is forthcoming with, well, it's out, it's on the table. We've got some advanced copies from Peninsula Press in 2023. In her poem, Dredging the Bautu Lake, whose title I often double read as Dreading, suggestive of the complex emotions that Daisy's work confronts, Daisy writes, 
At least at CERN, they understand that sometimes you have to be your own knife, that the will to destruct, the unswervable collision of self, has its own imperative. So please sharpen your hearing and welcome Daisy Lafarge and her unswerving, unswervable poetry of science and thought to the stage. Thanks so much, sorry for that lovely introduction. Um, and thanks everyone for coming, it's really nice to be here. Um, I realised this morning I haven't done a reading in London for, um, I think, four years, um, which also means I've never read some of this book here. Um, and yeah, that's because it came out during the, like, the winter lockdown. Um, I'm quite sick of it though, so I'm not going to read um, that much from it. I'll kind of bookend. Um, like a, um, two poems from this book, and then some newer poems in between. So. Parasite Climax. The clouds are polyamorous, wanting one and both. An earworm's auto-eroticism rubs a brain against itself. A woman self-seeds her elements through the city, wondering if the species that didn't emerge live on as contrails of alignment, currents of the possible and possible not, gutless borers of the world dig on. Okay, the first of these new ones is called Science Dream. Dr. Back never uses his chair. In the room of hateful sexy, I forfeit his gaze like a pipe worm. Fire eyes Benedict, pimples on his back as if a godsend were a fire hazard, as if desire could think direction. Winsome Dr. Back counts me out in time sticks. He doesn't like to be told. He is crystalline, like boys licking edges of trampolines. The cornea is for rubbing, I say, as if rebellion, or the whole class starts rubbing, as if chaos. Shapes without names are begotten. Dr. Back approaches through the midst. City of Bunsen's, I line out the floor as if method, as if perspective. A white hot word is a streaker. True love passes on a hoverboard. November brackets, bladder song. Um, this is a poem that I wrote when I was um, meant to be at this festival two years ago um, and ended up being sick instead. So. Sounds without words keep my ears warm, but warmth doesn't say what I want to hear. White thorn, silver thorn, sky cracked up like a resume. It's true that skin is the ingrowth of fruit, but November's floor is a rotting room, where stanzas splayed in the forest are bromides from the kingdom of death. I see them and keep walking, kidneys up, eyes down. Fortified by gases, the slug of perception gums me. From my labour I learn evasion, and from evasion I learn dog. Big black dog above my desk, black dog guide me from milk and hunger. Dog says, it's no canicule if you're not recurring to mark your spot. Leaf mulch on jumbo cords, winter's piss on an errant paw. The magpies sitting in the half-trees allure. Even the good words won't insulate. 
a year in which nothing happens except 25 acts of language and Melchior's lines stuck to his fur. Pizza roses are postural flaws. But it could be worse, could be Mistletoe County, in some quiet region of the sun where love leeches into convenience, reciting its lines to bone. Undine Cups. A door in the landscape pivots in the world of resemblances. Pens, sands, milky, dust, venues, dirt. I swear to you like a grass stain as the unconscious of coordinates as memory of foam, hello from the carbon window. In the room of sparks hunter flight, I go round and round the aspects as if thoughts could anchor a wish to the grid. I think of you, where cobalt dogs receive signals and eggs in a waterlogged nest to look Melba still. There is stillness in the rapids, a ratchet mood and bone grain. We could structure the foreground like before. Meet velvet, the old interface. Three cups of slopes, feuds, postings. A fourth ducks down like desire, indiscreet. We go all night strobing on the whipboards. Mirror mammal. Out in a day of formidable trees, thought takes the shape of a canvas. To hold it there is bait, the hook pulled through cool throat of memory. Only some of our compounds were real, says Fish, the sweet indole of dog shit where little rocks sing their indifference, and others' delusion of cliff rose to outlines gathered as causes and cures. Oh, to be saying towards, says Fish. Oh, to be an ear talked off, glancing up from his deep churn to the woods overstoried in this sappy plenum, where mammals evolve to accompany flutes. And then just to close, I'll read um, a longer poem from Life Without Air, uh, which is called How to Leave a Marriage. To begin with, I watched the dentist receptionist select a four hour video of sea turtles on YouTube. It was a minor lesson in vapid pacifism for the waiting room, while lesser pain waited calmly in machines of the neighboring rooms. I composed many emails, and emails arrived from friends like soft rain. From the city, I contemplated the tenacity of peatland and marveled at plants endemic to bogs. Meantime, the fuchsias grew fatter, the innards of eclairs sopping over, summer abundance of lipids. I couldn't go near them and cross the road with my nostrils aborted. I was done dying under banners for sensations that weren't mine. I was trying to remember the stages of putrefaction. Once an ex-friend criticized another for always writing the same poem, which wasn't meant kindly, but became a kind of anointing. All this and more was coming up with the fuchsias like sweet bile. I was at the mercy of mericism and momentarily happy, walking the hills three hours a day just to ruminate. Consciously or not, asking the leaves how to undo a life 
but the moral thus far is that the colour green can't devolve an ego back to its bare cells, no matter how viscid you feel. It's more parasitic, as Vey said of divine love, another mother's eggs laid in you so you have to keep coming back to feed them, and that's how we all get vicariously fed. Colour is what we are visited by. Ovipositing, I waggled my doubt beneath a family of magpies. Didn't count them because I feared nuclearity, and more so the gauzy bloom of consciousness, mine or anyone's. Don't you ever feel like evolution overcooked? On the twelfth day, I reached the labyrinth on the side of the hill, long grassed over so you can't see your options, let alone the way. The sun was stamping symbols of bygone industry behind my eyelids. Solar, hammer and anvil, solar, shovel and smog. The insects were all flying west, away from the sputum they flung from. I took notes, which the insects duly amended. I had stopped worrying about analogy because when he said we are flies sprung from the carcass of the universe, I knew he meant it. He'd found a way to listen to the grasses self-seeded in the crown of his head, no shitting. I thought, I, would, I thought if I talked to him long enough, maybe I would too, though I was wary of men and hoped I would be forever, however grassy. It's not figurative to believe that the seasons drip-feed us teleology. Romance is the hole we're tripped into filling, love is the name we gave it. I pulled many plants up by their roots, and the sap from the roots was sour. I staked my alignment with the organically bitter. I walked past the bushes panting, I mean the bushes were panting, and the clouds went crimeless with acrimony. Thanks so much. And thinking about sea turtles, it's always so hard to follow a poet because there's so much in every reading and we're just going to bring you more. So I'm delighted to welcome to the stage Oluwaseyun Olayiwola, who is a poet, critic and choreographer living in London. His poems have been published in The Guardian, Poetry Review, Oxford Poetry, 14 Poems and elsewhere. He became a Ledbury poetry critic in 2021, and his criticism has been published in The Telegraph, TLS, The Poetry School, and Magma. So I'm sure you've come across it. Oloasiyun was an inaugural member of the South Bank Poetry Collective, and he also has an MFA in choreography from the Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance, where he was a Fulbright scholar, and is now teaching dance as a lecturer at Kingston School of Art, the one in London. I did check. <laughs> you can help. Um, his debut collection, Strange Beach, is forthcoming from Granted in the UK and Soft Skull in the US. And I just love that it's with Soft Skull because that feels like a phrase that's so descriptive of your writing. That there's this, uh, there's a body that goes through it that combines tenderness and also strength. Um, vitality. Listen to the dancing body moving through these lines from the poem Inevitabilities, um, a poem that brings out the painful but reclaimable relation of evidence to the inevitable. He writes, 
What truly these days is the difference when the body is law-like, always involved, when the scatteredness grief makes of devotion lies before you like a stupid adjective from rolling the grass. So please, roll your shoulders and put your hands together and welcome Olawasiun Olayewala to the stage and be prepared to be always involved in his poetry. So, so thank you, and thank you um, all for being here, and thank you, Burley Fisher, for inviting me, and thank you to the other three poets reading in this time. Um, I feel really influenced by this kind of like overall like kind of negative space. I was kind of gonna resist doing doing like the super metaphysical poems, but because we're in a church, it feels like maybe I can go for those. So I'm gonna do that. So your lives will continue at some, in 15 minutes. I'm gonna set a timer because I will not know. Um, the first poem I'm gonna read is the title poem from, or one of the title poems from the uh, aforementioned collection, Strange Beach. Unable to get from the underneath side of the stones that flank the sand, the body, blown from every direction into like a conch shell where the echo of excess emotion enraptures the chamber where once was a body willing to die inside of, longing to. This is the obsession, this hour of philosophy, this transatlantic voyage spread on the page like an oil spill, the blue and black arsenal of water whispering as if it were in a wind. Was it worth it? Worth. Worth. It circles around you, the increasing gap between the surface of the water and the stillness you entirely inhabit so as to sink to the ocean floor, but properly, with no effect on velocity. Stingrays, desire, inseparability of light and dark. How beautiful you have been and are giving your whole life to a pointless competition. Um, I'm reading, I, I, my printer isn't working at home, so I'm reading some old copies that um, fellow poet and friend, uh, Peter there, wrote some helpful uh, comments on. So if you're seeing like red, red ink that has been sometimes ignored, but sometimes taken, that is, you have Peter to think for that. Um, this one. I'm it wasn't until today I realized I have this kind of phrase of this hour of philosophy, um, which I was talking to someone earlier about Maggie Nelson's Bluets and the epigraph and that um, is from um, Pensee? Pense I think it's French, I'm forgetting now, but it's, um, and, 
And, and were it true, we do not think all the philosophy is worth one hour of pain. Um, and you'll see how that kind of figures in this poem. This poem's called On Promise. By now, pity between them fell like ash, or perhaps ash like pity, hard to tell when they'd become to one another gusts, unpredictable, swelled by the green fire commitment fed on, fed into, breakage, the long wet string breakage shivered through their palms like a morning come on too fast, with too many stupid birds as if renewed joy were the stopping point of decay, standing at the lawn edge, their toes questions for the chrysanthemums needing to be weeded, the inner sky peeking its third head out, that the ground stretching in their middles may be called what? Common? A marriage? The contract written in twisting vines of I love you's in back bends. What by themselves can they fix? What years can they have back like ransom? They do not know from where the original glimmer came. The alchemical touch me, cooling its glue between thoraxes. It was not sex or the quickening sex commits. There were walls with expensive paintings, optimism in the decor. The wood was durable and antique. They had only to say anything like a vow and the sound of their voice cut across like a small diamond lodged in the base of the neck, shining its surtype outwards towards the other's twilight. And oh, the things they saw they had never witnessed before, the cigarettes, the calcified lungs, the dead bodies, the now smooth stones of previous lovers, the slight unspooling of the vertebra, the white canvas of subjectivity, the lacquer of ecstasy, the cursive of paint still spilling out deliberately from the bucket that is will and finishes soon, it cannot be refilled, the two of them like abominations of presence that grasp, that beg, that open Open their mouths to eat, to curse, to mutter, to justify infidelities, to make magic appear again and parade in the air like rain after a drought, to lift fear off the water it's mixed in, to regenerate, to refine what has been lost. 317 times to admit they had been enslaved inside themselves, and yet the golden horn of the mouth swooned open like a hingeless door. Oh, my love, you are the philosophy worth the hour of pain. Intense. <laughs> and, and for what? <laughs> to what end? Um, I, I, it's only now that I'm beginning to realize that a lot of the poems I've been, I think that poem was kind of came at a time, it's kind of like the last po love poem I've written. A lot of the poem, I haven't been in love with someone um, in a long time. And that was kind of that, that last poem I wrote. Um, I've been obsessed with plenty of people. I can see my, I can see my friends discussing, but I haven't been in love with someone else. Um, and so a lot of the poems have been, um, have been changing in their um, interest or their concerns. Um, so this one's called uh, 27 Ars Poeticas, because when you don't know what to write about, say sex, you start to write about other things, say your mom. 
27 Ars Poeticas. Um, before I start, just a little theoretical, it's not really theory. So just a, I talk a lot in this poem about the poet and the speaker, just for reference. The poet is the person who writes the poem, the speaker is the person who speaks the poem, which can be the same, but not necessarily. I just want to assume that's knowledge that feels um, communal. One, the poet died, the speaker was happy. Two, the poet died, thus the speaker was happy. Three, however the poet died, the speaker was happy. What happiness was, the speaker could not decide for itself. Four, it needed the poet dead. The speaker wanted freedom, but settled for happiness as consolation. Five, having accepted the death of the poet, the speaker, who was now happy, recognized there was nowhere further to go. What was written by the poet before death was its life. Change this late in the game was simply self-erasure. Six. But if self-erasure isn't violence, but if the speaker isn't happy, whether the poet is alive varies, a flash in a dark room of which the memory lasts brilliantly long. Seven. The poet's brain is armed with meaning. The speaker, dropping its shield, admits whatever needs admittance. The speaker is not a scapegoat, but they disappear after too many shots. But if self-erasure isn't violence, the speaker is not living. Eight. The speaker hasn't a family, but it was born. Only it knows where it comes from. Nine. The poet's death is a catalyst for happiness. Whilst the poet is alive, the speaker cannot be celebrated. 10. This doesn't hurt the speaker. 11. Nothing ever hurts the speaker. 12. The hurt speaks. The speaker is a poor recurring attempt to listen. 13. Take, for example, Clytemnestra whispering after death about Orestes. I do not mean to cause him harm. 14. The speaker is an effort of pulling in opposite directions. The speaker cannot be canceled out, but it can say more than the poet intended. 15. She is a ghost. Her son is free to define happiness now. 16. Mothers write their sons. Upon death, this doesn't matter. 17. Happiness matters. The speaker can't define it. Speaking defines it. 18. The moment of dying is not the moment of death, though it is common to misconstrue this. If the poet wasn't dying, where would the speaker come from? 19. It's the dialectic of expression. After an extended period of cold, burns. 20. Cold is not real. 21. Absence is real. 22. 
The point is not to prolong dying medicinal or to forget the vector towards which all life goes optimal. The poet cannot become the speaker because the speaker is not living. It's best to consider the poet as someone who's fallen into a large body of water and cannot swim. What happens then? That's the speaker. 23. I don't mean adrenaline. The speaker is not a latent superpower. 24. I mean she does not mean to cause him harm. 25. What falls out of the pockets and what she means and what happens is love. By that logic, love is the delta between the poet's death and the speaker's continuance. 26. The poet knows not what continues. The speaker continues the poet. 27. The speaker can be happy about this. The speaker can be happy about anything it likes. I'll just do one more, and I think I'll end with this kind of newer-ish poem. It's not finished, and I, I, I kind of had this habit of like reading poems that are kind of in development because I think that kind of helps me kind of know what it feels like, what's, what's embarrassing to say, or like I'll remember going saying something that didn't feel true um, and edit it as such. And because this poem is kind of coming in the last couple of weeks and months, it feels kind of imbued with um, the kind of communal grief of uh, losing a really amazing poet, Oyega Urubanjo, a couple weeks ago. Um, so this poem thinks about grief or death and we'll continue after this reading, but just to see what works in it. It's called Rose Parenthetical, or ever, I haven't decided. One, I am at duality's edge, making of the threshold between indoors and out, between house and garden, an expanding place. The wind comes in second, Place sits there like a student on a first day. It is the first day. Then three low clouds hanging blackly across the electronic sky, unmediated. Then terror quickly approaching as apparition, altering itself in the instant of being felt, like temperature, like a deliberately slow-acting perfume. Instant of occupation, inculcation, the visible darting its choreography of presence, stray cobalts, ceruleans, vibrations trammeling across the white string that connects me to it, tin can to tin can. Where is the knot? How was it fastened and by whom? There is a force arrowing to my ear, the heretofore unsensed catalog of limp strengths. We know them, confession, texture, recall, inscription. Is there a you on the other side intercepting this signal of rose parentheticals, the continuous outward spill of rose petals, rose lamp, rose feeling, rose dog, rose velocity, the apology of roses named the garden, harm the necessary ingredient in the soil, 
combing it smooth like lapidary brushes. Invitation here, it's sent to you on shaking ground that is dry, free, consequence laced like silk in the amaranth climbing the woman-made border of trees. Two. I leave my doorway open. I want connection like an insectoid to waft in. Smush. Blanched crossroad where soul coagulates selves. Sufficiency, plenty, abundance. Where is the line? I want like an insect, open. Smush. I leave to be wafted. Smush, smush. I want my doorway. Give me, God, my doorway. Three. Downstairs, someone reading stories into our brains. But we didn't know what was the lesson. So it came to us like news came to us in those days, incidental, a prime truth occurring in the elsewhere before. When they arrive at us, it is moot as breath, how time has thrown its inevitable green acid over what constitutes itself. What was the lesson? Time, the lethality. Time, the suicidal. Time, the mother as a teacher once declared publicly. Dust laid itself into figurines we would not play with in the corners where it congealed. The rose gold light said things to us dark, things we could not forget we heard. What is hearing? Renew, renew, I once thought, a word of grace, pulling the covers over our bodies, coercing warmth to stay. How can what I make exist again, bring forth its likeness from negative history and be made new, renew, renew, as if the story had a lovely ending? We slept supine that our dreams, when they evaporated, would float up and out the window we were told to shut. The info, wrong. Dream phased through us, hitting the air like blood. Now we just snore like adults. I'm just going to skip to the last one because I don't want to read section four because I'm embarrassed to read it. Five. It's called the inner life and it doesn't stay in. Ever. Not like grief and its thousand ramblings sweated through pores, saline, crisp, how clips of the body come undone, make a foramen of itself, and there is no release. Once it goes, it doesn't stay gone. Stay. Gone? What is this? The chipped-off region desire went looking for? I want to love what's available to love, I tell myself. Decision flutters. Existence presses the wound, acculturates to the shock. Thank you.
I want to say thank you for offering us exactly a soft skull to hold the loss of Boyega, who was one of our speakers at BF Day 21, and a regular reader at Bernie Fisher Books, an uh, incredibly popular member of our community for his incredible kindness, which shone through in the generosity and brilliance of his writing. And we miss him so much, so thank you for holding a space for him and for us tonight. Um, and for doing so with a word of grace. Um, and I was really struck by a word you used at the beginning of your reading, enraptures. And obviously, we <laughs> in here, but that idea of enwrapping, as well as enchanting, seems to me what poetry can do with our most intense emotions and closest relations. Sometimes when things are too close, poetry is where we go. And that's what I feel in the work of Kay Patrick. <laughs> You're nervous now, aren't you? <laughs> Kay uh, is a writer based in Scotland. He has also travelled so far to be with us today. Their poetry has appeared in Poetry Review, Granta, and Five Dials, and was shortlisted for the White Review Poets Prize in 2021, the same year that Kay was also shortlisted for the White Review's Short Story Prize. I think the only person to do the double-double. Amazing. Uh, their daily novel, Mrs. S, was published by Fourth Estate UK and is av available downstairs to buy for all your friends, uh, and by Europa in the US. And it was selected as an Observer Best Debut of the Year, and Kay was also named a Granter Best of Young British Novelists for 2023 and for life. Their debut poetry collection, Three Birds, will be published by Grant Poetry in 2024. And at this point, I think, I also want to say a thanks to a huge absent presence, Rachel Allen, who brought the three poems you've heard, heard so far into print with Granta. Um, and Rachel was our MC last year. I was standing in her very amazing shoes that I can't stand in. So, Rachel, we love you. Um, she just double booked herself. Um, but the Granta Poetry List has been one of our joys of a bookshop. So, we're so delighted to see how it's flowering. In Kay's debut pamphlet, Bodies Not Mine, from Rosie's Disobedient Press, which you can still order online, um, and they wonderfully describe it as 12 bossy little poems. They end the poem bones with lines that carry family history, literary history, and the wake of making, weight of making something new, that like, comes speaking about something that's almost too close. And they write, my grandparents would possibly sympathize it is worse when a body is only half yours. Denise Riley wrote that she, quote, found some change in her trouser pocket like a man. I'm embarrassed to understand all of it. The smell of coins like old blood. So please breathe deeply, put your hands together and welcome Kay Patrick and their central poetry of blood and bone to the stage. almost exactly the same height, that makes the mic a lot easier. Um, I'm worried now that my new poems aren't quite as bossy, so I'm going to have to try and assert myself a bit more, but um, this is actually only my second ever poetry reading, ever, believe it or not. Um, and I'm going to read new work that hasn't had an audience yet, but will be in three books. Um, so bear with me if I'm a bit shaky. Um, 
yeah, maybe I'll just get, I'll get started. I won't provide too much context, except that they're quite reference heavy um, and they're mostly about other people. It's kind of a dodge. <laughs> um, the first one's called uh, Evie. Elizabeth Bishop, I want to be evocative. Dawn arrives like a dropped egg, slumped over a desk, mouths small. Heaviness in our matching breasts, kidding. Yours are smaller, Elizabeth. I hate you for that. Before killing the blue whale, orcas swim inside the mouth to eat their huge tongues. Muscle frayed, meat torn to smoke. The scale of such flavour I cannot grasp. I'd guess shiny metal, ox, a thousand blended fish. If you died, I'd eat your tongue. I'd expect you to do the same. Love doesn't need metaphors, it needs nutrition. Facts connected by water. When a baby lobster is ready to leave the nursery, she straightens her claws. It's better to be already in flight. The problem with excess is I overthink it, Elizabeth. You died first, so that tongue should have been for me. I've been working on myself, can't you tell? Back and forth across the ages. We don't want desire, do we? We want time. My God, Elizabeth, you wrote so much about nature. How? No tongues, just watching the water. Agreed, bodies of the sea are impeccable but I don't pretend to have anything in common with nature. Everything alive is only an anecdote. The baby lobster propels into the horizon, one large sheet of overhead light. Um, this next poem is called Countdown, in which I basically just slag off September, so. <laughs> oh no, September, the other month. I get excited about rain, but there is none. Supermarket relief, what we could have done with summer. The wasps circle our faint smells, charcoal, polyester, or no, wasps move like faint smells, circling my pint. Four seasons stopped being true, didn't it, ages ago. All these collapsed ways of being. September, the wind picks up out of nowhere. You and I rub each other's arms earlier and earlier. No more amber views, light tucked back inside the eyelid. The older plants cut in, dahlias can't make a fist. They die not making a fist that summer. The bell rings inside the body. Here I am, an old man, just what I always wanted. Things have changed slightly. September is the cruelest month. Assume we're right before the horror of you and I. Never in it, how could we be in it? Yet, the boy in me is making plans non-stop in pyjamas, trying to take the living out of my knees. It's the hopefulness that becomes unbearable. Often I've loved September, and now I'm trying not to. Feelings born out of summer, which I hate. Summer, heterotopic worlds. That's the seasons moving along. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, until they stop altogether. One mirror piled on top of the next. I just remembered Lauren Ballant died that summer. I ask friends to glow on the sweat behind my knees. It's the same sensation, breath light over graves. I cool down. To remember properly, you need more than one body. I'm September tired of this river. It's just not that beautiful. I loved other people more than myself for a while that was lesbian. Our camp and camp is everywhere. If you know, you know. Our power has improved. Camp has finally made horrid little gods of us all. We should serve each other. Don't stop blowing and rubbing all through September, horrid little gods. I whisper in the ear of you and I, what's the word for curled up in the storage facility? Intimacy has been failing us very gradually. Blank after blank, we talk in blanks. Mouths in a graveyard, breath light over graves. 
You diagnose the relic, wrench the clutch of roots. It's not so good what we celebrate as nature. Terrible takes the shape of the tongue. What can we still make happen? Oh, my horrid little god, come close. September, truth or dare, kiss me all over and inside. Kiss the bridge, kiss the pond, kiss the administration, an escalation of kisses. Nothing left to steal. We sucked out the vaults. The buildings will quickly collapse. If there's rain, let's hope for rain. We can keep coping while floating on our backs. Uh, this poem's called David Attenborough. <laughs> There's a reason I have to read these out loud quite a lot. So. Uh, the BBC composes a soundtrack for the interlocking penises of two hermaphrodite slugs. Big budget, big moon, long entangling penises, phosphorescent soaring violins, the night sky, below a cushioned woodland floor. So sure of themselves, these expensive cameras, these men and women crouching between British trees, hoping this will be their week, that the slugs will finally fuck. <laughs> Even nature can't improvise anymore, penises unfurling like flags. Biologically, I essentially find myself everywhere. Waves blunted by a riptide, throbbing baby cuckoo, rose pollen before the bee. 100% anticipation of want, that's living, almost dying, so on the edge of newness, a cycle about to be entered. A robin fluffs behind the boars, they've been recently reintroduced, shifting snow with their snouts. Earth exposed, the robin shall have his worm, his breast aflame. I'm a poet, last of all. My TV license lapsed months ago. It feels so unbearably obvious to be me, I'm shocked to find the failed translations dusting a cutting room floor. Two male fallow deer lock horns, a third joins in. They want us to think of a pub at closing time. Yes, it is important to save the planet, but how, when the planet here has become so manageable? Female fallow deer wait for the males, the capercaillie mounts six hens, one after the other, his rival's face puckered and bloody, being less handsome is a natural punishment. There is a numberless supply of sons. I look away from the medium screen, on our windowsill an eagle feather, love inherited from other sources, kinds of pain that won't back down. Giant purple butterflies, I've forgotten the rare name, draw air like sparklers. Cameras slow them down within millimetres of their lives, each wing buffing, a surge on the monitor. Genre has to be toughed out, left muscly. This is absolutely a documentary. The butterfly returns to his broad leaf, shattered against the green. If love's the job, then what can be countered? The cameramen and camerawomen self-define as passionate. An owl stares down an ancient oak. The dormouse picks honeysuckle to feed her four identical babies. A lens slipped inside her nest to get as close as possible to the fact, to confirm it as a fact. She is a mother. Motherhood is this chapter. We all love a mother, disastrous as it is. Care is a defensible impulse. The BBC chooses glance piano keys, and was that a heart? I once pulled a wet dormouse from the mouth of my dog. Nothing keeps you safer than being a visible ruin, writes Fanny Howe, but how to be ruined when the chances are fewer and fewer. Images toggle together, you can see the dormouse's whiskers quiver, her fear can be your fear easily returned. Are my desires too weak? A juvenile sea eagle takes down a barnacle goose and drowns it in an, in an estuary. Perfectionism. You can't replicate the sound of a beak tearing beak-sized portions of meat. A metaphor won't stand it, like 
a shoelace suddenly tugged through an eyelet, like a sheet of plastic against the wind, like a can of red paint prized open. Blood and flesh are ingenious. An onscript erotics, how terrible to be evaded by what I'm made of. I thought of another obvious one for flesh leaving itself, for flesh finding other flesh, for flesh finding flesh's mouth, the first of St. Sebastian's arrows whistling into his chest, or even the voice of God landed behind Joan of Arc's collarbone. There are noises and then there are sounds. It's the lecture of the animal kingdom. The juvenile sea eagle looks up from the dying goose, makes eye contact with nothing. The BBC's determination I cannot fathom. Having beauty is not so easy. Uh, and I'll finish on a poem about George Michael, <laughs> which I think is especially nice to read in the church somewhere. Um, Keep telling me all about men, like the way George Michael filled his jeans. Mothers like a man who can fill his jeans. What a way to put the ache somewhere, right behind a rigid seam. Stiff denim, stiff upper lips, stiff country we live in. George Michael, I love you, we have something in common. I know enough about faith. A little bit of God in the beginning, just to prove there is no God of the rest. As a word, organ has a beautiful double meaning. Songs written in meat about meat. George, after pride, you crashed into that snappy snaps. I think your mother had recently passed. Someone graffitied wham into the yellow damage. Humans and their ancient ability to make a joke. You considered yourself cursed. In me, this quality is mostly arrogance. From you, I learned how to fill my jeans. Us butchers can have it all. An old lesson from one TV boy to another. Saturday is spent kissing the old screen to suck you free. Old glass curved and smooth like a mother's belly. Saliva crackling on contact. Saliva is a word that goes on and on if you let it, like George, like old, like organ, like mother. You died on Christmas Day. Don't we gaze love and impossible reconciliation? I mean past and present. I mean you and me. Slugging hell. That was everything. Um, and I think it's just, we have the opportunity to go from that kaleidoscopic poetry to the author of Kaleido, which was one of the books that just filled me with joy during lockdown um, by Candace Siobhan Walker. It was published by Bad Betty Pet Press in 2022. I was still shielding. <laughs> so I really needed a book of divination full of reversals because I think at that point we all just wanted things to like reverse. Um, an incredibly special book. And so we're delighted that Candace is here with uh, their first full length collection, Cowboy, published by Cheerio. Um, and she's a writer and artist of Jamaican, Canadian, saltwater, Geechee, and Welsh heritage. Um, and as well as those two books, her writings appeared in Poetry Review, Lugubriations, okay, Lugubriations and Bad Lilies. And her films include Cleaning Ladies 2 from 2021, Sen, Like the River from 2022, and Hom from 2023. So you can already hear the words that are being coined and played with. Uh, and she lives in South London, and has also travelled very far to be here to engineer engineering works untold and dangerous unnumbered. Um, 
For me, Kanda's poems move like cities move, rushing and pausing and absorbing, um, feeling their way through emergencies. I love the energy that sprouts in their poem Marigold, which finds considering and condensing Blake the world in a potted flower. I'm just going to read a bit. Work a fingertip into the dirt and tell me what is alive. And you know it is everything, even you. Just as there is always a river and a bridge and an undercurrent, there's also always a pristine and private hope like a friend, asking you to stay here a while longer because the world without you in it is the world without you in it. So please, feel the world at your fingertips and put your hands together to welcome Candace Siobhan Walker and her poetry that flows with pristine and private hope to the stage. started writing it because I got into tarot right before um, and I found out that you're not supposed to do tarot every day let alone multiple times a day um, because I started to get the same cards and then my friend told me I was bothering the cards which frightened me so then I wrote some poems instead which I think might have had the same effect still um, and this one is called um, For Reality because all of the poems in this book are cards from the major arcana this one's about how you feel when you wake up from a nap and you think it's like the 19th century. <laughs> For reality. Always a moment as I wake when, between two selves, I know everything. Was I prepared to take action in service of this knowledge? When I was immaterial and borderless and asking who I wanted to love? A voice in space that wasn't not God but everywhere great barrier reefs of wages and sex and everyday struggle. Spirits fly around the bedroom. I have too many feelings to keep holding on to me. I'm so hungover, something gorgeous is fading. That wide certainty. What was there to understand? Heaven, the invisible world. Return, waking with a kaleidoscopic awareness. Deep mongrel blue like aquarium tunnels. Bedroom haunted by a hierarchy of angels and ancestors swimming past like festival lanterns. 14, the art. Affirmations, bestie, say it with me. I will be transparent about my monastic ambitions, hold out against the urge to rain hellfire. I will slap line across the suburban rooftops of my teenage enemies. I will fall, I will ring the doorbell, I will be welcomed, I will eat breakfast with the family, sleep on their sofa for several months, stop projecting hostility, learn to sit with how I feel. I will share my Halloween candy. I will hoard nothing. I will haunt my hometown like a moon on a summer evening. I will take kindness wherever it is offered, and I will not question whether or not I deserve it. I will be thankful for the house I was raised in, and remember, I don't live there anymore. Um, I think this, uh, 
urban legend exists in maybe every city where they have green birds, but when I was a student at Goldsmiths, the legend was that an art student bought like hundreds, maybe thousands of green parakeets for a project, and then at the end of the project set them free, and that's why there's so many green parakeets in South London. But then I met someone from Tokyo who said the same thing, but they said it was from the 70s, um, and they also have many parakeets. Green parakeets. Are there as many green parakeets in your daydream universe as there are in my daydream universe? Like the actress arriving at the train station in the rain, I've been waiting for myself. What love means to the people who love me, I don't know. Am I sad or ill-equipped? I close my eyes and it's just static. I want to be a sculptor's model, neurotypical clay. I want to be sexy and profitable like a perfume advert or rivers of streetlights, a romantic language, a music video. I want to exist in a straight line. Will you love me when I do not know how to love me? Because I'm searching the platform? I want to ask everyone, wrong answers only. Do you need me the way I need me? When I close my eyes, it's glittering noise, non-native birds and tropical storms mapping my limits, never striking the earth. One one thousand. Two one thousand, three one thousand, four. What if I walked into a bar and was served by a horse? Saloon doors musical in the wake of my entrance. Because in this joke, I am the western wind, fond of rye whiskey and a folk tale. What if no hush fell over the other patrons? The room uninterested, unthreatened. If this were a more generous landscape. What if we were all emperors and river dragons with true names? What if you were the person who loved me? What if I was the person you loved? What if who loved me had nothing to do with my hoarseness? What if we were not the people we are, but canyons and bison? What if I was a real cowboy? What if I loved myself? What if I was content with the night sky and a good tale my own wild interior and the company of cattle? What if I listened when the moon told the caterpillar, cool it baby, cool it, just hang, be cool. This is a poem about how true to my brand I can't drive. Art pop. Learning to drive in bare feet as a way to survive. Blue jeans make you feel dishonest, sticky, indiscreet. Stimming is just walking the pavement at night, repeating your favorite line from your favorite scene. Whenever you're crying, you feel just human enough to sip rain or chew green sugar cane in the heat, like the corsage-wearing women you want to be kissing in strangers' back seats. We're not winning any championship trophies, but it's always fascinating when you tell a new lie. You're alive now, but this used to be my playground. Can't tell if he thinks you're talkative or just high at the visa counter, trying to explain what you mean when you say it's giving blue. Walk slow, head down, a face in the crowd. We feel like magic when we're acting. Keep dancing, keep dancing. What could be worse than social rejection? Dare you to ask the moon if she knows she's just a reflection. Rodeo. Dream blue and inarticulate in a fringed, swayed sky. Echoes of the bull's back hooves. Howdy, weirdo. My play cousins are brawling over the right way to lose a crab. 
Two rodeo clowns pry pole stars from my sweet tea eyelids and peach breath, amphetamines and floodlights. The winner's face looks like a hill of skulls. I wrote this poem after um, the first time I watched Die Hard. I was recovering from surgery and um, I wanted to find out if it really was a Christmas movie. I don't really know where there's any debate. It is, um, and it was quite fun. Boob jobs are to Christmas movies what Die Hard is to gender affirmation. This was never and always about sex. We're articulating nerve endings all weekend. Surg surgeons and forums talk about self-confidence, but what about body-mind integration? Debutante desperado, there's no true self except what we denounce, what we take responsibility for. Wonder if our boobs need knife edges in a society without inequity. Authenticity is not achievable as a state, only an emotion which passes like monopolies and fashions, which are just monopolies of being. What about spirit? Beauty ideals are like snowflakes. I wake up high on a gurney. Yippee ki -yay, motherfucker. Yippee ki -yay. <laughs> Um, to understand this poem, you need to have, I mean, you can understand it anyway, but it might help you if you have a bit of an idea of what Neopets is. You, some of you do, some of you, it was like a, it's a website, it still exists. You can have like little pets on it, the cartoons, um, like bunnies that are pink and stuff. Um, and they have powers, um, and you can make them fight. There's also an omelette you can get a slice of every day. Um, <laughs> And I played this as a child. I also was banned multiple times for various infractions, um, the most common of which being that as a guild owner, I would extract money from other children through PayPal. <laughs> and I was not allowed to have PayPal, but you could lie in those days on the internet um, and get real money for commodities within the game. Um, so that's the context you need for this film, which is why it's called Neopet. It's a circle, right? Virtual pet websites are about wealth accumulation. Wealth accumulation is about class. Class is about domination, and domination, of course, is about, is about popular consensus. Popularity is about currency. Currency is points. Points are about buying commodities. Commodities are weapons and armor, and property and paintbrushes. Paintbrushes are about customizing your Neopet to look like a wizard, or a gold bust, or a fairy, or cloud spirit. But pretty much everyone wants a baby paintbrush. Baby paintbrushes are about making everything really cute. And making everything really cute is just reimagining normal stuff in a palette of pastels and puppy eyes. Puppy eyes are about maternal instinct. Maternal instinct is about the gender division of labor. The division of labor is about owners and masters. Owners and masters, even when they're six-year-olds, are about capitalism and its precedents. And capitalism and its precedents are about wealth accumulation, which brings me back to... This is my last one. Thank you. For reality. Hierarchy of angels and ancestors swimming past like festival lanterns. Deep Mongol blue like aquarium tunnels. Bedroom haunted by a return. Waking. A kaleidoscopic awareness. This wide certainty. What is there to understand? Heaven the invisible. World keep holding on to me, I'm so hungover. Something gorgeous is fading. Spirits fly around the bedroom, I have too many feelings. 
break barriers of wages and sex and everyday struggle. I wanted to love a voice in space that wasn't not God for everywhere. Knowledge, when I was immaterial and wilderness and asking who everything was. I prepared to take action in service of this, always a moment as I wait when, between two cells, I know. Poetry with imaginary gardens with real toads in them. And I think we went back one better tonight by having a daydream universe with a real cowboy in it. Um, as I said, kaleidoscopic work that has filled this incredible space and filled our hearts. And it's now the end of BF Day 23. It's boom! But there's still time to buy books, get them signed share a drink, we'll have some music. So I can only end with the most poetic phrase we've heard tonight, which is, yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers! <laughs>